The place for Celtics news. The place for Celtics opinion. The place for Celtics talk. It's Cattles on Causeway. Well, 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 yes. Oh, yes. It is Tuesday morning. I'm chilling in the studio getting ready for the tip of the 2019-2020 NBA season. Myself and my executive producer, Kyle Hightower, two hardcore NBA fans. Can't wait for the action to begin tonight. Unfortunately, we had the uh, tough news on Zion Williamson yesterday. That sucked ass. Uh, Just really, really tough to think about. First six to eight weeks of Zion's season already done with, with the multiple injuries. Got to keep an eye on that. But this is going to be a lot of Celtics talk. Get you ready for the season. I'll give you what I think is going to happen. I'll give you a win total as well. And myself and Kyle will also take a look around the league because, you know, we like the NBA. And so towards the tail end of this uh, podcast today, Cattles on Causeway, we'll hit some of my NBA thoughts randomly, get Kyle's thoughts. It's going to be fun. I'll try to keep it less than a half hour so uh, you guys don't get too bored. Follow us on Twitter at Causeway Podcast. We're on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. And by the way, when you're watching the Celtics this year, feel free to follow along on Twitter because I'm going to be tweeting. You know, every single time there's a Celtics game on, unless I'm at the bar half in the bag, I plan on tweeting about the game at that specific uh, Twitter handle, at Causeway Podcast. So that will happen starting tomorrow night with the game against Philadelphia. And by the way, living in, in Virginia, I get stuck watching the national television broadcast, which I hate. I, I want to see Mike and Tommy. I can't stand when they're on national television. That's the good and the bad. They're on national TV because they're good which is good, but also I get stuck watching, you know, ESPN and, and TNT. All right, so let's get it started. Before I get into the season overall, big picture, I want to hit the latest story, and that's Jalen Brown's contract extension. Four years, $103 million contract extension, $4 million likely with incentives as well. And when you look at this deal, that means it's about $26.75 million annually. I say about, which is really, that's exactly what it is. It's $26 and three-quarter million dollars uh, every single year uh, for the next four years for Jalen. And I have a lot of thoughts about this. I'm not going to bore you with all of the details and stuff, but here are my thoughts, okay? My, my big takeaways from this contract. If you didn't want the Celtics to sign Brown to the extension— what was your plan B? Like if if plan A was a Jalen Brown extension for the Celtics and you disagreed with that, what should have been plan B for the Celtics? What was your really plan A for the Celtics? Because when you look at this decision, the C's didn't have money to spend on anyone else. Their salary cap situation, because I think Gordon Hayward will enter into his option year next year. And once he does that, they're going to blow through the cap and you're not going to be able to get anybody else. So it was really, do you want to extend him or do you want to trade him? Because you're not letting him walk. And if you let him hit the free agency market, then what would have happened is, at least restricted free agency market, what would have happened is a team would have signed him to this massive offer sheet and the Celtics would have likely been staring at paying Brown the maximum or letting him walk. 
or try to work out some kind of sign and trade deal. And that's dependent on who is actually signing Brown. If you like anybody on that team, do they have draft picks you're interested in? Does the team want to deal assets for Brown when they can just sign them straight up? So, you know, when you when you look at the options that the Celtics had, it was literally to me, you're either trading Jalen or you're signing him to this extension. And, you know, a lot of people, I saw their initial reaction. They were somewhat surprised about the money. Listen, Buddy Heald is going to make $23.5 million the next four years in Sacramento. He turns 27 years old in December. Jalen Brown is, what, 22? He's got plenty of time to grow. He's got a lot of potential. So if Heald is making $23.5 million, I don't think the Brown contract at 26.75 is some kind of dramatic, drastic overpay. And it's really like, it's like a, a fucking tradition with, with Celtics fans because, you know, I go back to Avery Bradley. They, they they gave Bradley an extension. Celtics fans were losing their minds over the Avery Bradley. Oh, it's too much money. And then like a year in, they go, you know what? Not too bad of a contract. Mar- <laughs> Marcus Smart. Oh, my God. How much money do they pay Marcus Smart? That's a ridiculous overpay. Then, like, a year later, you see all the other contracts coming in. You go, "Eh, you know what? It's not that bad. So It's like I've seen this with Celtics fans before. Take a deep breath. Relax. Everything's going to be fine. Jalen Brown's a good player. It's not a terrible deal. I will say one thing, though, as a devil's advocate, as, you know, a fan on the outside looking in, the whole thing with China could mess up with the salary cap, and some of these contracts that are being signed oh now could end up affecting down the road. I'm not worried about China. I mean, at least he's I, young. It, listen, it, it, I, it would be worse with older players. I for know sure. you're you're playing devil's advocate, and I know people are talking about China and less money going. I, 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 I'm not worried about China. I, I'm worried about Boston. I, I'm worried about what this team is doing. Whatever happens in China, this is words of wisdom for you. Whatever happens in China is going to happen in China. You've got to you've got to be able to do what you want to do with your team with the intel you have at your fingertips. And you know, Brown is young. He's got potential. He's he's shown improvement throughout his NBA career. So you know, again, is it slightly more than expected? Yes, but I'm fine with it. And I thought he showed he showed tons of maturity last year. I mean, we we talked about that on the podcast before. The, the first half of the season, he was trying to figure out who he was, what he was, and what the team wanted him to do. And then finally, he hit his groove right around New Year's, and, and he was a different player the second half of the season, and he was a much better player the second half of the season. A- another thing I'd say about this contract is that this just proves, you know, if you're a Celtics fan. You should be happy because even if you do think that this is a a drastic overpay, and I don't, slightly more than expected, but I'm good with it. But if you think this is a drastic overpay, here's the silver lining. Your ownership group is willing to spend money. And that's important. Not every single ownership group in sports wants to spend the cash. And the Celtics right now, they're looking, you know, if, if Hayward says yes to the option year, which, again, I think he's going to, they're going to be paying lots of money for this team. Not just cap-wise, but but penalty-wise as well. So this is just the latest example. 
You lose Kyrie Irving. You lose Al Horford. You go out. You spend max money on Kemba. You end up signing Enos Cancer, And now you give Jalen Brown this big extension. And I can guarantee you, I mean, once you see Brown get this deal, you know what this tells me? Jason Tatum's going to be a Celtic for life. Unless something crazy happens and he wants out and he asks out, Tatum's going to be a Celtic for life. Wick Grosbeck is not afraid of spending money. That is a good sign. And call me crazy, I think Danny Ainge is one of the better GMs in the league. So it's not like you've got an owner willing to spend and a GM who's just drunk on money walking into strip clubs with the, with the gun shooting up ones and $100 bills. I mean, this is a management group that's smart and willing to spend cash. That's good. One more thing about this before I get to the season. You could deal him in the future. Now, he's not going to get dealt anytime soon, but you could deal him. And this contract for Brown doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a Celtic next year, two years from now, three years from now. The Celtics have had an issue with having young talent under cost-controlled money. And and not only cost-controlled, where they know exactly what that guy is going to be making over the next four or five years, but also big money. Money that you can trade for another player. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but there's already whispers about Blake Griffin in Detroit. I'm not telling you the Celtics would want Griffin. I'm not telling you the Celtics should trade for Griffin. We could have that conversation another day. But what I'm saying is if the Pistons make Blake Griffin available, right? And and Brown is is tradable at that point. Well, now you have a contract. You have Brown's contract that is a much easier swap for somebody like Griffin. Remember the Anthony Davis talks, right? Everybody thought they didn't have enough contracts to move. They, they would have had to move several guys, including some of their younger talent. And that's because they had to try to make the salaries match. So the Marcus Smart contract, the Brown contract, these are crucial, not only because you're signing the younger talent with potential and guys that want to be in Boston and guys that have value in my eyes, but also because if if one day down the road you want to trade for that uber superstar, you now have the contracts that make it much easier to complete that deal. Thumbs up, Jalen Brown deal. All right, let's move on to the season. Uh, listen, Boston's going to win 50 games. I, I think they're going to win 50 games. They might win 52. They might win 53. But they're going to win 50 or more games this year. I think Kemba Walker, to begin with, is going to be enlightening to a lot of people, including the locker room. I think, you know, we've talked a little bit about this in prior podcasts. But, you know, Kemba is a perfect fit for Brad Stevens' system. And everything he does on the floor and everything he says off the floor, there's a reason for it, and guys like it. And so when I look at Kemba, I think he is going to be much more efficient this year. I think his scoring numbers are going to be there. He's just going to be taking less shots and better shots. And I think he fits in with this locker room much better than Kyrie Irving ever did. You know, I was I was seeing on Twitter this this minute of Mike Gorman with Michael Holly on Holly's latest podcast. And Holly asked Gorman about Kyrie Irving. And Gorman said, yeah, he, you know, his entire time in Boston, he might have said 10 words to me. And, you know, listen, I don't think you need to be best friends with the TV play-by-play guy. But I think that does shine a light on how Kyrie walks around this earth. 
he, he a lot of times keeps to himself. He's tough to read. He's not very open with people. And, and, you know, sometimes that could lead to some issues. And we saw some of those last year. So I think Kemba is going to be a much better fit for this team's personality and, and, and for this team as a system for Brad Stevens. I think Kemba is going to have a great season. And as you've seen, if you watched the FIBA World Cup, if you watched the preseason, he actually does try on defense. I'm not telling you he's great, but he gives effort on that end of the floor. And I can guarantee you Kemba is not going to be telling his teammates, get away from me, I want to cover, I want to defend Giannis Antetokounmpo like Irving did in the playoffs last year. Okay, That's not going to happen. Second thing about this season. I think both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are going to take a step forward, and I think Tatum is going to take a significant step forward. If the FIBA World Cup in the preseason is any indication, Tatum has learned his lesson. Last year, he was in love with the mid-range jump shot. He took a lot of contested shots, and he just he he took I wouldn't say a step back, but at least a half of step back last year offensively. And what you've seen now through the, again, FIBA World Cup before he got injured in the preseason, this is a dude, he's not worried about it anymore, right? He, he doesn't give a shit about getting inside the paint and finishing and, and trying to get to the free throw line. He, he's not worried about not being able to finish. He's not worried about taking that contact. He's willing to do it. He's trying to get to the paint. He, he's trying to get to the rim, which is just so vital. And he's also not afraid to just pull the trigger. And last year, what you saw from Tatum, right? What you saw from Tatum was somebody who was trying to always think. And sometimes thinking is good. You think through the game. You figure out what defenses are trying to do against you and all those things. But sometimes you overthink. And I thought Tatum last year was overthinking the process. And he was worried about Kyrie and what kind of shots Kyrie was going to get, what kind of shots he was going to get when he and Kyrie were on the floor together, and what you see so far. And I I think you're going to see this with the regular season tipping off tonight in the Celtics' first game tomorrow night against Philly. I think what you're going to see and, and what you're going to see me tweeting about at Causeway Podcast throughout the year is a Jason Tatum that is more than willing to take the three and is more than willing to get to the lane, through that lane, to the rim, and draw the contact. And if you could make Tatum more efficient than he was last year, and you can get that mid-range game out of his system, not completely, but for the majority of the time, he's going to be better. And I would not be surprised if Tatum has an all-star season this year. I think he's going to take that kind of significant step. His frame is better. He's got more muscle on that frame. He's willing to defend more. So I think you're going to see a very good season out of Tatum. And I also think that Brown, you know, one of the things about the Brown contract, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on him because I just spent a lot of time on him with the contract situation. But, But the one thing about that contract is now that he's got the contract, he doesn't have to worry about it. And so now he can play free. You know, he's not worried about his role. He's not worried about shots. He's not worried about how his play on the floor is going to affect his wallet. The wallet is taken care of. He can now focus 100% of his energy on basketball. And I think when you watch Brown play, every single year he's gotten better. 
And I, I, I don't know why we would think he'd stop getting better at such a young age. I, I think he will be better again this year. I don't think he's going to be as good as Tatum, but I think he's going to be a really good NBA player. Really good NBA player. It might take another year or two, but he's slowly getting there, and you'll see more development from his game. You saw it in the World Cup. You saw it in the preseason. More effort rebounding, uh, better with the basketball, figuring out what he was going to do with it, whether facilitate or take the shot himself. And he continues to be a better shooter than anybody thought he was going to be coming out of California. So, you know, when you look at his ability, I think he's going to take yet another step. I think Gordon Hayward will be better this year. I don't know if people are going a little too far. I tend to agree with you know some of the people like Danny Ainge coming out and saying he's a little afraid that people are kind of building up Hayward to be like this top 10 NBA player and he's not that good. Just let Gordon be Gordon. And I'd like to see him a little bit more aggressive. I thought watching him in the preseason – uh, you know, he was again kind of taking a step back. Maybe that'll change once the season tips off. I'd like to see a little bit more aggression from him. His athleticism, it's, it's much better, and he looks much more comfortable on the floor. I just want to see a little bit more aggression from him. I think he'll be better. I do. Uh, Stevens has the kind of roster that he wants. Versatility, he can go big, he can go small. Uh, you know, he, he can mix around his lineups for both end of the floor, both ends of the floor. And I think when you look at Stevens, he's going to be able to get the most out of this team. And this is kind of a Stevens team. And I think people say, oh, well, that means he doesn't have as much talent. Listen, they've got talent. Tatum has the talent to be a top 10 player in the league. Does he get there this year? I don't know. I doubt it. But he's got that kind of talent. Brown has talent to be a top 25, 30 guy in the league. Hayward's already been a top 20, 25 player in the league. Kemba Walker's a top 25 player in the league. This team has, you know, a, a shot at having, you know, four guys that are considered top 25 players in the league. There's not a lot of teams in the NBA that have that. There's, there's teams in the NBA that have more top-end talent like the Clippers, obviously, and the Lakers and those teams. But when you talk about the talent, this team has talent. And that's why I think they win more than 50 games. I also think they win more than 50 games because the Eastern Conference is the drizzling shits. You've got Milwaukee, you've got Philly, you've got Boston, and who else? Kyle, who else in the Eastern Conference? Can, can you name me a team other than Philly, Milwaukee, and Boston that's worth anything right now? Maybe the Pacers when Oladipo comes back, if he's fully healthy. Yeah, let me see how Victor looks. You know, if Oladipo comes back, he looks healthy. Sure, they just signed DeMontis Sabonis to a contract extension. You know, Miles Turner's all set, so... Yeah, they made some good moves. I, I still don't know why Phoenix made that deal with TJ Warren. That was idiotic. But, you know, Indiana's got a good team. But they need Victor Oladipo. And Indiana, even with Oladipo, they're not winning the East. They're just not. They're not winning the East. So the Eastern Conference stinks. Uh, that's why I, I think, you know, to go along with everything I just said, the Celtics win 50-plus games. You know, Miami going to get in the way? Going to have fun watching that team? Jimmy Butler taking 50 shots a night as the wear and tear takes him down. <laughs> I mean, come on. Who else? It, it, who else? Toronto? No way. I mean, Kyle Lowry and, and Pascal Siakam. They might win, you know, 45 to 50 games, but they're not scary. The East might have four teams that win 50 games, but it's because the bottom part of that conference is just going to have like 
15 wins each. If you had the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference just combine, right? Just smash all the teams together. I mean, do the Celtics make the playoffs? They might not. You've got be close. You've got Milwaukee and Philadelphia. The Seas would be looking at, you know, I mean, if you were to take the say if it's just the, you know, the top 8 teams. Celtics would definitely be on the outside looking in. Now, if you combine them and you had 16 teams, then of course the Celtics would make it. But if you were taking the top half and the in in the top 8 teams, I, I don't think the Celtics are there. I mean, you've got the Clippers, you've got the Lakers, you've got the Rockets, you've got Portland, you've got Denver. I mean, you've got Golden State. And I know they they got Clay and all that stuff, but they'll figure it out. They'll, they'll still, you know, I think be on the edge of the playoffs this year in the West. You've got Milwaukee, you've got Philadelphia. I mean, the Seas would be right around the 8 to 10 region, I think. So, I mean, the, the West is loaded, the East sucks. All right, so that's my Celtics take there. 50 games, 50-plus games, 50, 51, 52, 53. I mean, what, what's the difference between one, one to two games? I think they win uh, 50 or more games this year. They be the, uh, they'll end up being the, the two or three seed in the East. And, you know, once you get to the playoffs, let's see health. Let's see what else is happening. Uh, some other NBA thoughts before we bid you adieu. I think I've been uh, pretty quick with this. I, I don't want to go longer than like 30 minutes with these podcasts. I think people start to tune that shit out. So uh, some quick NBA thoughts. And I'll bring Kyle on uh, with, with this as well. My executive producer, as you just heard him, Kyle Hightower, does a great job. Uh, and any any radio companies looking for a full-time producer, he's he should be on your list. Let's look at uh, Westbrook and Harden in Houston. What do we think? I think it's going to be entertaining, but I think it's going to inevitably fail. I don't see these two guys. They'll coexist. But if if Harden and Chris Paul couldn't see eye to eye and Chris Paul doesn't want as many shots as Westbrook, you know, I've got an issue. And Westbrook's not a great shooter, and his style of play is 100 miles an hour. And I think, you know, once you get to the postseason, this team, it's going to be, again, Harden or bust because you can defend Westbrook in the postseason. Yeah, and I think with Westbrook, it's just going to be a matter of if he can adapt his play style. I think he showed in the preseason, I think it was Zach Lowe who had hit on it, that he did kind of change his play style. He didn't take many mid-rangers and took mostly threes and inside the paint, and he was actually facilitating the ball. But if he goes back into his old ways and, you know, he tries to get comfortable, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens, especially because we know that he's not a great three-point shooter, and if he's having to chuck it up every time, sure, he, he'll get hot and hit a few in a row every few games but you know consistently I don't know if he'll be able to keep it up he's close to terrible from three I mean let's not try to put lipstick on the pig like he, he's he's pretty bad from three especially with the amount of threes he takes he, he's terrible he terrible efficiency he's not consistent as you said he might hit a hot stretch every once in a while but I'll be interested to see if he changes his style of play I don't think it's going to happen you know maybe you can get him to buy in early on but I think as the games pick up consequence I think he's got an ego like every uber superstar in the league, and I think that'll pop up. All right, Steph Curry. Steph Curry, here's my take. He's going to break the NBA this year. He's just going to break it. I think he's going to end up averaging like 36, 37 points a night. I I don't think it's going to happen, but I wouldn't be shocked. I'd be surprised, but I would not be shocked if he averaged like 40 points a night. Without Klay Thompson, Draymond Green's not an offensive player, D'Angelo Russell, I think, 
is not as good as he looked last year with Brooklyn. I do think he helps them while Clay's out. But this is going to be the Steph show, and I think he's going to break the NBA. I think so, too. I think he averages like 35 points a game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and it's... He's going to take 15 threes a night. Like, he's going to have the green mm-hmm. light every single time. Steve Kerr's not going to get in his way. Yeah, and this isn't that 2015 team that was fairly deep. They have a bunch of big contracts on that team where, you know, they can't really be deep. Them and the Rockets are in similar situations where it's it's basically ride or die with your starting lineup. And with Clay Thompson, there was a report earlier today that uh, Steve Kerr said he might not even come back this year. That's just going to amp up even more at the end of the season than for Steph Curry, especially if they're you know in the thick of the playoff race. All right, so the next one is LeBron James. How do we feel about LeBron? Uh, you know, d- my question is, does he keep it together, and will he be patient? Will he be patient if, if this team, for whatever reason, gets off to a somewhat slow start? Are we going to see the old LeBron kick back in? Give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball, get out of my way, or, or is he going to acquiesce to Anthony Davis, like he said in the preseason? Now. Listen, I think LeBron will give this every chance that he can give it because he's getting older, and I think he's pissed about last year. But I don't think he's going to all of a sudden play every single defensive possession. And I think because he's getting older, I would not expect him to be as good as he's been in the past. I do think Davis will take some of those shots. I do think Davis will take the basketball from him at times. And I think LeBron is understanding now that, hey, for the first time in my career, last season I had a significant injury. I can't go hard like I used to, and it's it's now taxing on my body. The one other thing I'd say, because I do think LeBron will be patient, and I do think he will keep it together better than he did last season. The one thing I'll say about the Lakers, they can't afford injury. Like Their depth is not very good. They cannot afford injury. You've already got Kyle Kuzma, who's been banged up. If they get a significant injury, they're done. Davis and LeBron have to stay healthy all year long. Kuzma's got to stay healthy all year long. If that doesn't happen, they're quickly in trouble. Yeah, and I think, you know, one thing that people are kind of overlooking, sure, the Anthony Davis signing was huge, but also, or the trade, uh, sorry, but Danny Green, I don't think, when was the last time LeBron had like a knockdown 40% plus three-point shooter next to him? I think he's going to end up being huge for them, Uh, but I think, I could see him definitely acquiescing more to Anthony Davis, at least at the beginning, like you said. I don't know if he goes back to his old ways, but if Anthony Davis stays healthy, I think that team could be really, really good. Well, you remember what they did last offseason, which was just crazy. They they surrounded LeBron with a bunch of guys that couldn't really shoot. That that, that made no sense from the very beginning. Uh, quickly, we got to speed this one up. Clippers win the West, yes or no? I say they're the number one seed. It's too hard to tell at this point if they would win the West or not. I think they win the West if they stay healthy. Depth. They have the ability to defend LeBron, and there was, you know, some whispers that, you know, Andre Iguodala might end up with the Clippers. Possibly, if that happened, they would have like four guys that could defend LeBron James, and they're just going to throw bodies. George, Kawhi, other wing players, they're just going to throw guys at him, and that's important. So I also think they have the bigs that, you know, not that they're going to give Davis trouble, but they have bodies. They have bodies they can throw at those two guys. And I think they're the best team in the West if they're healthy. Who wins the East? I think I got to go with it's it's between the Bucks and the Sixers. I think I'm going to give the edge to the Bucks. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the Bucks are going to win the East. And I'll put it this way: until I see Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons 100% figure it out and consistently play well and 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 keep their mental 
in the right spot when it comes to postseason basketball. Until I see that, I'm not picking the 76ers to win the conference. So I'll go with the Bucks. I'll go with the Bucks. But I, I think it's going to be a fun season. I think it's wide open. It's going to be great. Again, I think the Jalen Brown contract, slightly more than expected, but I'm fine with it. Boston wins 50 or more games this year, and we gave you some other NBA thoughts. Uh, we're going to do this podcast every single Tuesday. It'll be out every single Tuesday afternoon. And again, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Nick C Radio. Follow this podcast for Celtics tweets during games and at other times of the year at Causeway Podcast. At Causeway Podcast. That'll do it. Cattle's on Causeway NBA season preview in the books. We'll catch up with you next week.